The story noted, there is no immediate explanation as to why the five suspects would want to bug the Democratic National Committee officers or whether or not they were working for any other individuals or organisations. Bernstein had written another story for the Sunday paper on the suspects. Four were from Miami. Bernard L. Barker, Frank A. Sturgis, Virgilio R. Gonzalez and Eugenio R. Martinez. He had called a Miami Herald reporter and obtained a long list of Cuban exile leaders. A post reporter had been sent from the president's press party in Key Biscayne to make checks in Miami's Cuban community. All four of the Miami suspects had been involved in anti-Castor activities and were also said to have CIA connections. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. There aren't many news websites, movie news websites specifically, that have been online for more than 20 years. And I'm speaking to the editor and the runner and the chief writer and the engine and basically the unstoppable T-1000 that is Mr. Garth Franklin, a dear friend and engine behind Dark Horizons. And I'm about to talk to him about a newsroom, which I would wish for him one day that he could a wear the suits b have the office and c have the red pen of some of the men we're going to be talking about in this 1976 classic garth franklin welcome to all the president's minutes well and also welcome to the probably the least qualified minute of this entire <laughs> podcast i mean you're dealing, with, you're dealing with a profession that has so thoroughly changed in the time that yeah. since and it's actually it's fascinating to be you know i i've never actually worked in the newsroom no <laughs> although i have been an editor for like 22 years so this is you know this is the crazy thing of this love no but it's it's the world you know the omnipresence of the internet really took place close to the time that you started um, pretty much yeah and, it was like and, literally and, a couple of years just two or three years before um is when the internet kind of kicked off really <laughs> kicked off and you were of that first wave that people thought, oh, a lot of these guys are going to die down. And many people, new sites have emerged and disappeared, mm-hmm. new sites emerged, disappeared, emerged, disappeared. And basically that is where we've come to. And I, I, I was desperate, you as a film mind, you as a person who knows story, but also as a person who has been a kind of journalistic outsider. I don't think you're unqualified at all to oh, talk about it. Yeah, that's, that's sort of true. I mean, the beauty, of, I mean, I started in that age where there were people who, you know, when they're trying to make offers, because... I'm in that position where I'm both the editor and the publisher and sort of lead writer. So that's, you have all three sort of hats on at one point. Uh, and when you're so in the you publisher, when you're the publisher, you have to deal with the K, economics. You're Kay Graham <laughs> yeah. and Ben Bradley and Ben Bradley <laughs> and Woodstein. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So all in one go. Um, but then you have to get in the position of you know trying to make the paper profitable. In this case, or the website profitable, or whatever. And the, you go through that position early in the internet. There was that period where you would get offers from people who thought print was it. That yeah. was only it. And I I was always very much an online-only person. So when I said, no, I have no interest in doing getting into the print stuff, they were legitimately shocked. Like, how how can you not do this? Yes. <laughs> because that's the only legitimate thing of record. And, of course, that has changed, and now newspapers are dying out, sadly. And uh, a lot of the print stuff is now where all the long-form journalism, the little of, it, of its left, is still residing, actually. Yeah, still, still residing in print because that seems to be like – the last place of elevation for long form stuff, but also you're a great film mind. You've been around this industry now for like 20 odd years. And we had the distinct pleasure of only about six to eight weeks ago. Now 
seeing this on the big screen together and your very, 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 very first time of actually seeing Not it. Not very, very, very first time. This is one of those, you know, everyone has holes in their schedule and these kind of things to fill. And I I made the unfortunate mistake of trying to watch this the first time when I was 20 and on my own for the first time in Los Angeles. And <laughs> let's just say uh, my hands and other uh, extremities were <laughs> occupied at the time. <laughs> After with lascivious <laughs> sort of actions. Uh, so I wasn't really paying attention. And then I finally come back to it now 20 years later um, for the first time six weeks ago. And yeah, it's it's basically a perfect film. It's really quite remarkable as a movie. Yes. And exactly the kind of movie that I would be mad enough to do this with. Well, that's you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our beloved Mr. Howard here, who is the uh, host extraordinaire, uh, gets very obsessive about certain movies. And uh, this is one of the ones he's long, long spoken to me about. (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, we were in the 60s of One Heat Minute and I'd pitched this original idea on a balcony at my house at a barbecue and you and Stu, um, who you're going to hear in the forthcoming episode, Mr. Luke Buckmaster and Rosie were all on the balcony and people, you guys were one of the first to go, okay, well, if this One Heat Minute thing actually finishes, what will you do next? And Mm -hmm. right then and there, I said all the President's Minutes, Mm -hmm. just rattled it off. I said, it's coming. And then I kept quiet about it because it was didn't look like that reality would ever end. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know that it'd ever come to fruition. But this is a movie that is. This uh, I can't put it any better than my co-host that I did, which is that it is essentially a perfect movie. It is mm. so thoroughly entertaining, and so well because it gets it's a perfect movie in the best way because it gets what also the whole subject is about. Journalism is about, which is it's it's attention to the details. It's going basically sticking with the truth being a very, very lean, efficient beast that's all about the facts and all about the little details. Everything's explained carefully, well, but, not, but also cinematically too with some of those shots. Some of the shots in the minute we're about to discuss. I mean... <laughs> Just wonderful. Yeah. Just absolutely wonderful. So let's do it. Let's dive into the minute because we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's a, It's got a great moment that even I, as um, a very proud... Um, Dark Horizons film critic um, <laughs> I've had where you answer your editor with, I'm just polishing it. So here we go. You guys know the drill. Garth and I are going to watch this minute. You guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and unpack it for you. Good. All right, stay there. All right, I got something for you. See this? couple sleeping in bed, car hits the house, goes through their bed and comes out the other side. Good morning. Crash. Morning. Oh, Lewis is over at Democratic headquarters. One of the burglars had $814. One two thirty, one two fifteen, and one two thirty four. Most of it was in hundred dollar bills and in sequence. Woodward. Yeah. There's been a break in at Democratic headquarters. There's been an arrest. Local Democratic headquarters. They were bugging yeah. the place. Check the time arraignment and get over there. And Woodward. It was National Democratic headquarters. Right. Anything else? Anything else? Break in. Car crash? That's not bad for a Saturday. Okay, let me know what happens, huh? Hello, Connor. You got anything in that couple? Harry, I know somebody on the staff over Wargate. You want me to work well, for Steve, why don't you finish one story before trying to get on another? I finished it. The Virginia legislature story? I finished it. All right, give it to me. I'm just, I'm just polishing it. <laughs> <laughs> Great actors. You have the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jack Warden. Um, who is playing Harry Rosenfeld, and you've got Martin Balsam playing Howard Simons. Um, Harry is the Metro editor. Howard Simons is national editor of the Washington Post. 
Uh, and so you've got these guys just sort of farming off stories to one another and talking about what's happening. It's a Saturday. It's a slow day. And from what I've read in the All the President's novel, um, as far as the newsroom rhythm would go, is the week to week, the weekdays are the big days. Sunday mm. is often a feature day. And I guess in print that's pretty standard. But just mm -hmm. to sort of – and some people who are listening might just go, yes, that's self-evident. But, you know, this was new to me. Um, but, you know, Monday to Friday, they're big days. Some some papers had morning and evening print deadlines. Um, uh, th at the time, the post was only a one print deadline day. So they would print for a morning, like a, a day edition and that would go out. Some papers at the time had a morning and evening edition, small editions. Um, but they've got the morning edition and they're just getting a couple of big stories that look like it's pretty good for a Saturday. It's got some news. There's been a burglar at the <laughs> National Democratic Headquarters. There's, There's been, been a car through a house. A car <laughs> through a house. You know, they're talking shop. Um, very fun, great, and some just absolutely stunning photography. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this of... Oh, just the placement of things in the room and the shots, like the, the shot with like the Hoffman hanging out around the, the yeah. doorway. Listening and, and, and so there's... Not not very subtle, Dustin. No, <laughs> absolutely, completely unsubtle. But what is good is there's sort of a flow in the conversation, a natural hustle and bustle, some folks moving. Obviously, Woodward prone in his bed taking notes, and and as mm -hmm. the <laughs> that's true. That is so that's that rings so true with each other. But it's about twenty two seconds in the minute is this beautiful split diopter mm. um dual focus moment where Martin Balsam, who's just got the best face, like one yeah, of the yeah, best so faces, cinematic face. Just the he's got great cool. lines, he's expressive, he's yeah. he's Glasses are reflecting the yellow paper that are on Jack Warden, so Harry Rosenfeld's desk. And then, and you, normally with these split ones, you know, there's you normally you can see the line in the middle so clearly. It's like, and it looks kind of like a it real looks a effect. bit funny. This looks flawless. I don't, I don't see the line whatsoever. I don't <laughs> see the line whatsoever. It, it is absolutely false. No surprise. It's Gordon Willis mm -hmm. who's the man um, behind the lensing, the the Prince of Darkness, one of the greatest cinematographers who've ever lived. And then there's just Hoffman casually looking to the ground but so intently listening and it's a casual day in the newsroom so in on a saturday a lot of folk who were catching up on things polishing things uh, <laughs> for that, that had future deadlines maybe for a week later or something like that or, or they couldn't get enough sources to to solidify a story um they'd pop in over the weekends and, and get it and clearly we've got the we've got we learn a shitload about both of our key protagonists really one is that Woodward, who's working on Metro, doing a few little political stories here, is the kind of guy that can afford to have a bit of a sleep in on a Saturday morning because he's filed everything that he needs to and is probably getting some <laughs> well-earned sleep after quite long newsroom hours through the week. Mm -hmm. And Bernstein's the kind of guy that's in there in the morning sniffing things out. He lives in and out of that newsroom and is a guy who's He's sort of like the parasite. Just <laughs> <hanging>. <laughs> like, you know that little guppy fish on the shark sort of thing? <laughs> It's a wonderful little minute, tells you so much about that. And um, you as a man who works from home would know about doing interviews uh, from the comfort of your bed or getting phone calls about uh, Oh, deadlines. look, any, anyone who's worked in journalism, you understand the concept. It's, it's This is not a job you take for the money or for the easy hours. If you want that, go be an accountant or a <laughs> bank manager. <or laughs> um, but uh, if you want, the whole point is it's, it's a passion. And yes. you do it and like any passion, it sort of... It, goes outside the hours and so you're you're working through to very late and starting very early you'll uh a lot of times because of the world news does not sleep news happens at all times so you can be up at 2 a.m writing all sorts of craziness 
Um, you have to be able to, you know. You have to be able to pump the brakes on a bender with your friends to write a story in a cab on the way home. Oh, you don't have to pump the brakes on it. You just have to be able to do it. You have to be a, a, a high-functioning alcoholic, uh, you know, high-functioning things. I mean, I've, I've literally proofread while getting on the receiving end some very good anal. Um, so it's you, you have to be able to adjust to all the situations. <laughs> My question to you is, and I don't think we've really ever talked, we've, def- we've probably talked about it personally, but I, I thought it'd be good for the show is, you know, I consider you and I think you were considered as much as you want to downplay and you're not the, you're, you're always a modest guy, but it's like you've defined yourself by integrity and fact and that journalistic pursuit in your passion, in your field, being mm. film. What, what was the drive that, what was the drive for you now that like uh, now that you can you're older and you've been doing it for such a long time like did you ever find what the origin point was for that drive for for that method because i think there are so many people in the online space who have slavishly gone with the clickbaity thing i mean you're very mm. fun you you do some very fun titles um uh, oh, look, of, it, of an article I, i'm just saying the the funnest of all which is um avengers beat off detective pikachu uh one of my favorite yeah that's just because i'm depraved <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but that that's but there's been a lot more like clickbaity sort of people that have been out there that have gone high and then low mm. and you've seen you seem to endure and people rely on you as a news source even people who used to run disney um read your site regularly my question to you is i guess like what 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 was that drive like can you can you understand where that come from have you had that sort of internal like how did i get to that uh that's a drive i mean almost every journalism has the drive of the one thing that was is very hard for all of us is is essentially rest yes um we are restless by nature yes Um, we're always striving for different you know you can go further. You're always asking why. You always look at any kind of situation. You try and pass. You don't try and parcel it as this is how it is. You try and look at why this is and how it's going this way. And uh, you have to approach it from all sorts of angles and come up from a different perspective wherever you can. Um, uh, I think the drive, uh, the actual real Benjamin Bradley, who Jason Robards plays in this movie, is a great example of you know what a newspaper editor, even just a just standard journalist, should be, which is the truth is above all else. You have to be honest with your audience. That's how you keep your audience. Uh, and you have to – You there are, you know, things that you have to acquiesce to certain demands of commerce and all that at certain points, sure. But as long as it doesn't interrupt your integrity because the integrity is the whole thing. Yes. This stuff. Otherwise, it's, it's there's everything. no point. It's everything. Yeah. It's – it's. And we all make – look, you're all, everyone makes mistakes as the, you know, Woodburn Bernstein doing here. I made some, like, fumbles in my time where we all do. But as long as you're upfront about it and be careful, cautious with it, Usually the audience was fine. They understand that these things happen. And the but the approach the approach always is integrity above all else. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference, the, the basics of newspaper journalism in terms of the the moral stuff hasn't really changed. I mean, when I initially started out, when I got my first uh, advertising contract for the site and it actually became a vocation, uh, I actually went through to like the Herald and a bunch of other other local newspapers, uh, the the big broadcast ones. Uh, not Brooklyn, sorry, sorry. The big, sort of major national ones, uh, and they all have coded ethics that you got to follow. Yeah. Um. And so I made sure to look over those and make sure I was obeying to those sort of rules. Yes. But I also didn't want to be encumbered by some of the things that they had to deal with, which was, uh, you know, uh, you uh, you watch this film. This is of course in the nineteen seventies, so things are a lot slower. You could have people that worked for weeks on end on a story. You have 
they have so much in the way of resources and time, just time and money and so forth and like that. Yes. And that's the biggest change that's happened in my time is that stories don't take weeks now. They take hours. Sometimes, you know, you have to be within minutes of things hitting. Otherwise, there's no point. Yes. Um, retractions have to be, can't be, you know, a week or two later. They have to be within a day or two. Uh, it's the speed of it has changed. And the trouble is with the speed of it changing, so has the reliability. So you've got to basically be very, very reliable and try and keep it to as facts as much as possible. Um, you know, we all stuff up and I've done, I've stuffed up <laughs> once or twice. We're putting rumors up and it's like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't right. <laughs> that wasn't a good rumor, but some no. sites peddle them. Oh, absolutely. They peddle the rumors. Oh, Dark I mean, Dark Horizons comments on them and gives little quick news flashes that we've heard it and you, and the attributions but you don't you'll you'll be very oh, un, you'll underscore that something is a rumor and has not been verified by the sources that are involved etc there's a probably about a dozen good sort of uh journalism movies or miniseries or stuff like that and one of the more great ones on that front that a lot of people that's underrated is a film called shattered glass yeah. which is exactly about this which is about people just making up stuff Hayden, from their sources Hayden and so christensen's forth. best movie performance Probably is career yeah, yeah, yeah. defining, but again, it's the editor in that one, Peter Sarsgaard, who's yes. the real scene stealer, who yes. just is like you know, he shows and takes him out to the convention where he's faked it, and yeah, bang, 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 bang. That's like a brilliant sequence. Yeah. Um. So a lot of editors and movies can vary in these sort of things and how they're portrayed. They can be a bit stereotypically sort of gruff, but the beauty of uh, Robard's portrayal in this one and a few of the other, like Jack Warden's one in that scene, so is they get it right. They understand that there are commercial needs that need to be met. For certain days, so it's like, oh, well, it's a great story. We can use this. This will this will get hits, and I can do this story over here, which is like the story I really want to write about. But yeah, it'll get the side of eyeballs. <laughs> yes, because you're playing between the needs of commerce and legal, and you know what's interesting for the audience and that sort of stuff. And yes, and uh, and what's the, the public good? And, and what's the public good? And the big one is. In in this context, I think there's a great newsroom scene that's going to be coming later, and we talk about it, which is like um, there is a story that is a fluffy story compared to some of the meaty uh, political and 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 uh, Watergate stories that are being uncovered. And then goes, "You'd laugh, but that's the only story that everyone's going to read." Yeah, so even that's then, sadly true. <laughs> even then, the puff pieces are going to be out. The there. thing you learn very early on, uh, if you do any sort of serious journalism, is you can put your heart and soul into a piece, and it just goes ignored. <laughs> and then you can spend five minutes on something completely frivolous, and it, it, it breaks away. And there is, there are some ways you can kind of predict it, but a lot of cases, it just does, just doesn't happen. No. <laughs> even today, I had one that broke. It was like. Why did this story break over this? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and you can just look and wonder forever. Um, this minute too. You you're not as wedded um to like production texture and uh, production design as like say me. You are a story guy as a as a as a film viewer. You're you're like you you need the production design, but you're not like as obsessed with it. As yeah, me. I mean, I come. You you come from a, a very much a film school kind of background. You studied film as a vocation, yeah. and so the whole cinematic technique is. Well, it's important to me. It's not as a sort of a vital thing. It's as, not as vital as, as to you. But I come from a thing of like I, uh, you know, because I'm a journalist and so I write about stuff. So the whole thing is a, a good script is the most most important thing. Yes, um, and it doesn't. You know, some films can go with fine without a script. I can walk into a Malick or a David Lynch movie, and I, I'm like, fucking love this. We watched <laughs> The Lighthouse the other day, and I know you weren't a fan of that, but I love that for the cinematic techniques yes. of that movie, even though it made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a it's a beautiful little. I, I actually quite enjoy. I actually quite enjoyed it, but 
Um, I didn't love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't That's love fair. It. That's fair. I didn't love it. But I love the, f- the swearing. <laughs> Some of the best swearing you could ever hope for. <laughs> but with a film like this, it, this is essentially a procedural. Yes. Uh, and so procedurals are built entirely on on the writing, on the quality of the writing and the quality of the directing that happens. Yes. Uh, and in both cases, this, it's just so good here. In And it's the interplay of I love the cat – I love casual conversations in movies that are to establish the relationship. And exactly Mm -hmm. like you talked about what's commercial versus what's important for the public good. Mm -hmm. And so in this scene, I love the effortless with which they say that. And you know, everything you need to know about Howard Simon, you know, everything you need to know about Harry, because he's a shit talker. He's like, (laughs) Oh, whoops. Good morning. Cynical journalists, right? Like rough and tumble. And, and, um, there's a fun, there's such fun that happens in that exchange, and then even in the posturing of Hoffman coming up and their little interplay. Oh, the, look, it's the, the attention to detail here is just, especially the visual detail is just spot on. Uh, as you said, the difference with us is you're more interested in the production texture. To me, the perfect the film is the ones that get both right. Yes, you get yeah. the scripting oh, right and the production. I think we can a hundred percent agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can get. The way that the the behaviors and the lived in sort of sense with that thing there, the way that even everything down to the you can tell with that movie all the, even the newsroom design where with all the fluorescent lighting exposing all the dark corners and everything, and then you go to the other side of that equation, which is the car park, where it's like all negative space and there's all like complete tiny negative. one or it two little like, spaces. It, it feels like the bowels of yeah. something. Yeah, you, you you don't see anything in there. Yeah, so it's the. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fascinating that way. And this, I love with this film that almost no other journalism film does, which is it does take the time. It keeps it a small focus. It doesn't try to overreach, and it sort of spends the time with the characters and going through the procedural motions. You're a big fan of the state of play. Was that original David Yates? The it was a Paul Abbott. There's a guy who wrote Cracker. Um, I was David Yates director, but Paul Abbott wrote it. He was the guy who created Cracker, and it's um, it was like this mini series back in two thousand three. Not the, they did a remake with the US remake, which was pretty terrible. But what's great about that one is again, it's like with this where it gets the journalism procedure right. It's all about how the publisher has to work with the editor and how the editor protects the journalist under him. And of course, there's the line between the journalists sleeping with the sources, which does happen, uh, and all that kind of stuff, and how you know you try and step away. There's from the a little story. bit of flirtation in the uh, the Bernstein story here. Yeah, yeah. My like, friend told me to watch out for you. Yeah, There's but the- and the and the humor, and it gets the humor right, and the thing that's a diff- the difference, of course. There is you have a Bill Nye as the editor, and so it's Bill Nye being Bill Nye and he's sarcastic. And <laughs> I I would I dream for a newsroom that it had. Jack Warden and Bill Nye in it for that interplay of Jack Warden being who who is an amazing comedic actor in his own right. You know, it was later in things like Dirty Work and in Norm, the sitcom Norm and things like that in his later career. One of the most interesting stuff with the journalism movies, movies is the way people move within them in terms of, I don't mean in terms of the content, I mean in terms of the actors. Yes. So Jason Robards is the editor in this one. Cut to another film a couple of years later called The Paper, yes. which was a very famous movie about 24 hours in the life of the newspaper. He's the publisher. Yes. And Michael Keaton is like the star reporter who's going around. Cut to 10 years later, Spotlight. Spotlight. Keaton's now the editor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's all these sort of people 
intermingling in these sort of movies that happens. Well, look, you know, Chris Evans was two superheroes yeah, and yeah. different spies and action <laughs> action cinema. And maybe there's something about the inherent integrity of those guys. Or, or, or The editor is always the most fun role in, the, in any of these sort of movies. That's the one that, because he's like the voice of reason for a lot of the things. He can do the dry, witty stuff and all that sort of stuff. The thing with Robards here is he's very, he keeps it very sedate. He doesn't do quips. He doesn't do any of that sort of stuff. It's all like... But I think when Robards speaks... He oh, he has the gravitas, yeah. He has the gravitas. Where's the goddamn story? Well, I mean, there was the famous story that he said that, you know, I can't do this role. It's just I have 15 variations of saying the same thing, which is where's the fucking story? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, just play it like that. Well, we want to hear all the variations. We want to hear all the variations. Oh, okay, and that's how he won the Oscar for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and also, you know... What people and and this is the the Saturday so mm. uh, in the in the newsroom but Robards playing Bradley um, and this is sort of uh, famous sort of internet research that you might have seen on IMDb or you might have heard on like the Ringer podcast the Rewatchables who talk about all the presidents men which is that mm. Robards was later interviewed and he was on set almost every single day mm. dressed as Bradley <laughs> sitting in his office ah. And the reason that he did that was to to be on deck with those reporters while they were doing it. And he just wanted to have that feeling that he was always there. Mm. So that when he came out, there was that feeling that, like, no, I'm in this with you guys. I'm in it. I'm here and I'm in it. And And that's around the actors and the people. Because that editorial presence... Yeah as you said, is important to steering the ship, is important to the way that the story is being told ultimately. Yeah, but Bakula is also very good at having these, all the people in this film. Oh, yeah. Have that a very established, this is their life, they've been doing this forever. Never, mean, no one feels ungenuine. It all feels very... And even Redford, they're like, he's only been doing this nine months. And you're like, <laughs> it's not that short amount of time. <laughs> like, you know, like he's been around this specific newsroom for nine months. It's like, oh, that's... It's not like three weeks. No, no, no. <laughs> Some months and Bernstein was, I don't know if you'd call him a prodigy, but like, yeah, he was a young prodigious journalist, about 16. He's lived in his newsrooms his whole life. Mm. He's just lived there. He's part of the furniture. And then you get Woodward, you know, a completely different, um, uh, a completely different animal um, altogether mm. and pairing those two together. But it's good because it's this, you know, it's this anticipatory moment where you see Woodward, sleeping it off and Bernstein grinding <laughs> and it's a great little insight into their personalities in this minute. <laughs> so, Very true. <gasps> so when when you're thinking of this movie, this being a perfect movie, what other journo movies do you think help reconcile the difference in like classic newspaper journalism and some of the ethical quandaries that you have in modern journalism movies? Ah, uh, well, that's a good question. Um, the tr the thing is with this genre is there's not that many films in it. Yes, uh, and most of it is there's a very clean line between the ones the old school journalism print was still very much the dominant form. Yes, and then the ones which is all the modern stuff. And then you get things like Contagion, which have like blogging's not writing, it's graffiti yeah, yeah. for punctuation, with two law. Or you get something like say Zodiac, which is a, a different thing where it is a modern take on the old. School yes. journalism, and that's uh, it's looking at it from a whole different kind of perspective. Yeah, um, that would be a similar film for me. Uh, probably the one. It's not about print journalism, but one of my favourites in terms of just straight journalism. Yes, is the Insider because it's a 
it, it so gets about the ethics of that sort of stuff and the, the way the commercialism is coming into it. And I think it, what's funny is basically at the time that you started your website, mm. that was the time that these huge newspaper conglomerates were finally wrestling with the corporate and, and television broadcasters and stuff were wrestling with the corporate inclination to maintain streams of money. Yes. And so that was a big thing in sort of the late nineties, late early two thousands. And then, um, I mean, that's why the, the, the state of play thing we mentioned, that was 2003. And that was one of the last of the real old school, you know, everyone had computers in their offices, but this was uh, still an old school paper with a yeah. big office and everything open and all that sort of stuff. And then by 2006, when Shattered Glass came out, that's when you had the first film really that had recognised that there are digital outlets. Yes. And that they're publishing stuff. And then this is, there was still that push and pull between the two and the, all these scrappy young digital people <laughs> get rid of these things. <laughs> and to now the point now where it's like, okay, you don't really have stuff about the modern thing because so much of modern publishing is done from bedrooms, it's um, from <laughs> you know toilets and airports. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly made for cinematic. <laughs> hey, look, we saw the bathroom fight um, yeah, yeah. in in Mission Impossible Fallout. We can make <laughs> we can make you editing that story pretty freaking thrilling, <laughs> as long as Henry Cavill's arms are being cocked in the uh, in the <laughs> indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just I, I'm very interested now sort of cinematically and, and, and procedurally if there's if there's shows that can start to reconcile some of that thing. Because I think I, I think the pursuit for that truth and facts and detail and stories mm. and the way that you approach it has not changed. That's true. The approach in terms of, I guess, getting a story hasn't getting really a changed. Story. Uh, it's a lot of the industry around it and a lot of the uh, walls you run up against are completely different now. Yes. So the thing I know, in my time, the, the biggest change, aside from the shift to digital, was, of course, is the shift of uh, public relations. You went from, you know, it, there was no such thing as online publicists when I started. Mm. Um, and there was like maybe one guy in one studio. And publicity was like, even PR was a very, very small thing. And now it's a massive industry. It controls so much of stuff that it is the journalism is dying out and being replaced by spin. Yeah, spin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's incredible that change. And, and nothing uh, has really dealt with that on film that I can recall. No, and it's also the our very specific film journalism industry and locally in Australia and also internationally to a certain extent. But there's like there's there's people who are being paid to write the positive the positive mm. outlook on films that's like advertorial and there's a blurred line between sometimes there's like pure masthead, like this is advertorial stuff that big journalism sites do in order to keep the doors open so they can write that other thing. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's true of almost every industry. And then, you know, one of the most famous things when we talk about film, there's this thing called the Criterion Collection. Yes. Which is a boutique label of like some of the best movies ever made. But to keep making some of these really obscure you know, Japanese releases to release those sort of stuff. Every now and then they have to pump out a Michael Bay movie or something like that that they know will, or Breakfast Club or something, which are good movies, but they know that, that will sell. Yes. So they can do the stuff that they want. Every, that, that's true. <laughs> I, I, like, I like that. I, I mean, what was the Michael Bay one that was Criterion? For Armageddon. Was Armageddon. Criterion. Yeah. And The Rock was Criterion as well. The Rock, I understand. I'm again, no, you're kidding. <laughs> the Rock does have Nicolas Cage, yeah. one of the great, if not one of the most fascinating actors ever, mm. and Sean Connery. <laughs> and look, it's it's got it, and Michael Biehn, 
Mm. And Ed Harris. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Let's cut out all the president's minutes. Let's get to the rock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, I wonder what else in this movie and, and, and now in like our contemporary political climate, it's like, does, does a movie like this or does the way that we approach news like this, are there movies left in this genre that can live like this or is it always, are we always going to be reflecting back to classical understanding? Like, because, you know, just on my shelf behind me, mm-hmm. um, I, I've just got Ronan Farrow's book, Catch and Kill. So mm-hmm. much, much like all the president's men, it's his document about the assembly of that story, the sources mm-hmm. coming forward, the way that it was constructed, like what started to scratch at the one single outlet that he was working through and then eventually how the story, you know, gestated and became you know this rolling avalanche of a thing um and i i i wonder if like if these kinds of stories that we would tell would just ever be a cinematic would the cinematic choice to be lean ever happen again because i think that's one thing that i'm hearing from you a lot and one thing i i, I am agreeing with you in 100 percent is this story and and the script by william goldman is so goddamn lean and it is like so efficient and efficient effectively told and mm. pacular that those two things paired together that I wonder if anyone would ever have the, the, the stones to sort of do that because even spotlight feels sometimes like it's too sprawling. Uh, Spotlight's trying to cover, I think a bigger story than it could get a handle on. Yes. It, it gets a lot of the spotlight. And I know you weren't, you weren't as big a fan of it as I probably was, but I'm a bigger fan of it because it gets so much the small details right. Yes. Uh, it, it gets, you know, it makes some concessions towards very kind of movie things, which like a film like this does not. Yes. Uh, and there's not as much attention to detail in a film like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, that. But again, you said it is something looking back as opposed to looking being forward, in the like in being contemporary. Yeah. Because I wonder if there's a if there's a version of a Ronan Farrow's story that could be made into a film or is it a Netflix thing or is it a something like, I wonder if there's a, if someone's like reads catch and kill or if someone, you know, reads, you know, we've seen it maybe with Snowden is the closest thing with, you know, Oliver Stone's biopic. But like, is someone looking at a, yeah. is someone looking at a contemporary breaking news story? We saw it with the, with the fifth estate. Yeah. Um, they tried with fifth estate and Snowden, but neither of them particularly worked pretty very well. No. And the trouble with a lot of those stories is stuff that's still ongoing and, and breaking. So yes. you have to wait Sometime. It is going to be looking back. Sometime. You yeah, yeah, you've got to nurture it. Nurture it because I think you mentioned The Insider, which of course we at One Heat Minute Productions are familiar with. Um, <laughs> and But The Insider and all the President's Men have the same, uh, have some of the same ingredients and I think that that's part of its success. It followed very closely to the events but enough time to gestate. It mm. followed with the movie producers being Michael Mann and the writer Eric Rothman or his co-writer in this instance working alongside um, Lowell Bergman for The Insider and Robert Redford working with Carl, um, uh, Carl Bernstein and, and Woodward to um, uh, uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward to bring together um, what would eventually be a film and start assembling talent knowing that they wanted to make it with like basically hot on the heels but also wait not just for the stories, the individual stories to have broken but to have a longer sense of like this is the whole summary of the story to look at it and then have Bill Goldman um, the great Bill Goldman, that is, take a look at the story and go, where is the movie? Yeah. I mean, well, it's like, you know, robot saying, where's the story? Where's the story? Yeah. <laughs> but Bill, the movie go and goes, where's the movie in this? Well, that's the thing. The, the, the great ones like this one, like, or like, you know, um, 
trying to think of some other ones where they have they actually have a point of what they're trying to make about journalism on the whole. Yeah, uh, and you know this there's a film. I mean, as much as I decry the the movie remake of State of Play, the one thing that movie does quite well is it tackles the issue of the switch over yes. to the modern the digital. Sort of journalism. And the the sort of and the wrestle between, between old school and new school, and so that's a theme that you that worked at that time because it was two thousand and nine, and that was still ongoing. It doesn't work today because the digital is now basically all digital, encompassing. Digital, but yeah. there is still plenty of room for uh, like a modern movie to be done in the, about the procedural current space, about what case it will be, you know, about what story it's trying to break, and about what elements of modern journalism it'll tackle. That's up to the filmmaker. I want I want to see bedrooms. <laughs> I want to see bedrooms. I want to see lack of editorial control. I want to see redactions. I want to see them wrestling to try and pursue for this. Um, <laughs> and and I think that that's part of the process. No one's and- going to enjoy you know watching the modern sort of like blogger just sitting there and like trying to you know write out a story. He's halfway through and then he realizes uh, I, I really got to wank one out and then <laughs> goes back to it. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> there is an audience there somewhere for that kind of story. <laughs> and I think that maybe that's a great way to close. <laughs> because if my, my dear trailblazing and modest friend who's been writing maybe 30 news stories what's your mean writing stories a day uh it, it varies depending on day but you're probably looking at um i, do, I write about 800 articles a month who's been writing about 800 articles a month for yeah. 20 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm something in the range of like nearly 200,000 stories or something like that if you had it up Jesus. so as far as my modest friend would go um i think they they're writing that much work with that much integrity and then let me tell you folks it's not shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> some you know but but part of what is great about the woodwood and bernstein stuff is that it's not shakespeare but it's clinical mm. it's they they are painting a picture they're telling the story of this malfeasance that's happening at the time mm. however quaint it may seem now <laughs> in the modern context but the detail is there and uh and you know what look uh, i mean it would have made for a different movie if one of them wanked it out in the middle of the newsroom. But I think uh, oh, you never know what Ripper got up to in that parking lot before you know Felt arrived. <laughs> before poor Mark felt Mark felt hammering away for a lot. They don't call it deep throat for nothing. Though, yeah. Come on. And with that, uh, you know, with Garth's depravity fully on show, I think that's the perfect way. Oh, to we haven't even scratched that surface. <laughs> Thank you for being a part no of problem. all the presence. Happy to be here. Man. You'll be back. You'll be absolutely back. We'll talk to you guys soon. Like the Washington Post coverage of Watergate, this podcast is the result of a collaborative effort. Special thank you to our ongoing narrator, Holly McBride, for her contribution once again. A huge thank you to my guest this week, Mr. Garth Franklin. At Dark Horizons is where you can find him or www.darkhorizons.com for the very best independent movie news site online. Thank you so much to him for coming and being a part of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to follow me, I'm at One Blake Minute on Twitter and on Instagram. That's at One Blake Minute. Thank you for your ongoing support of all things One Heat Minute Productions. And if you want to keep following us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Blake Howard. And for just a cup of coffee a month, you can help sponsor us and our ongoing projects, Increment Vice. One Heat Minute, of course, special bonuses now and then may pop up in your feed. You never know. And of course, all the President's Minutes. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you much, so much for your support. If you want to subscribe, rate, review, please do share this around with your friends. We appreciate it very much. And we'll catch you on another episode very soon. Just think about it. Come on, buy us a cup of coffee. Patreon.com forward slash Blake Howard. Catch you on the next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.